0: Tenaka Koto no my hide my welcome to Q&A in this lockdown special. I'm Jack Tame. One year to the day since New Zealand's first confirmed case of COVID-19, our biggest city is heading back into lockdown.
1: If we cannot immediately link a case person to person, what we call an epidemiological link, that is a significant issue and one we need to act on.
0: No, it is never a good sign when the Prime Minister calls a press conference at 9pm on a Saturday. That sparked the familiar but unnecessary run on supermarkets. We
2: just rushed with the last minute announcement, so we were not prepared. So we just had to rush to the supermarket to make sure that we have stocked up.
0: And it sparked questions about whether we came out of lockdown too quickly last time. We have responded to the information we have had, mm. and we have been meticulous in doing so, and also I think been very precautionary. If you are just catching up with things this morning, here's the situation as it stands. A 21-year-old person has tested positive for COVID-19. They're a household contact of a student at Toy High School, which of course had several positive cases in the Valentine's Cluster. Health authorities are a little perplexed, though, because the student at the school tested negative three times to COVID-19 and has no symptoms. But the 21-year-old who tested positive didn't follow health advice. And after getting tested for COVID-19, they didn't isolate. So, these are the places the person visited while potentially infectious. Have a look. City Fitness Papatoitoi, the Manukau Institute of Technology... MIT, that's at Hunter's Plaza, and uh, Hunter's Plaza there on February 26th. They also visited Burger King Highland Park. They visited Your Health Pharmacy in Papatoitui and Pack and Save Manukau. Now, if you visited any of these places, you are advised to be tested for COVID-19. We have completely thrown out the show we had previously planned for today so that we can get you the very latest on this situation with a range of voices from around Aotearoa. One News reporter Kim Baker-Wilson is at the police checkpoint in Auckland's southern border. These are live pictures from that checkpoint. We will take you there shortly. But first of all, COVID-19 Health Response Minister Chris Hipkins is in our Wellington studio. Tēnā thanks for being with us this morning. Do you have any new information for us from overnight?
3: Well, good morning. Yes, a little bit of new information overnight. We have had the genomic sequencing back um, for our latest case, and that's suggesting a link with the second family in this cluster. So that's uh, cases E through to H. Uh, that would suggest that it's it's most closely linked with them. It is the UK variant, which was what we were expecting. We're expecting there to be a genomic link to one of our, or some of our existing cases, uh, and that, that has been established. What we still don't know, though, is what the epidemiological link is so how did it transmit from someone in that second family grouping uh, to the to the latest case and also how far has it spread uh, to other people
0: okay so just to be really clear you you have completed that genomic testing it shows the UK variant which is of course one of the more infectious variants of COVID-19 that was to be expected given the link through Papatoetoe High School but you don't know how this person contracted COVID-19.
3: That's right. So we, we still know we're dealing with one cluster. What we don't know is how big that cluster is or some of the chains of transmission within that cluster. Mm. So we still can't establish whether there are other people out there that are part of a chain of transmission that's not being detected. And of course, this particular case uh, could well you know, have been infectious for a, a week now um, and has uh, had a number of exposure events. And that significantly increases the risk that it's already passed to other people.
0: Okay. Talk to us a little bit more about that. How likely is
3: it we are going to see significantly more cases in the coming days? Look, I think it's unlikely we wouldn't see more cases. Um, how many cases um, at this point we, we simply don't know. We'll be aiming for a, a reasonably extensive wave of testing, uh, particularly focused on those points of interest that you have just uh, run through. Thank you. Um, we want to make sure that people who have been in those places do come forward and get tested. But also the over, you know, overall message to everyone around the country, wherever you are, in New Zealand is if you start to show symptoms please go and get a test now as we sit here today there will be thousands of people at home who are thinking uh, who, who reflecting on the last year would be able to think of a time when they had a bit of a runny nose or a bit of an achy leg and thought I'll just leave it a few days and see what happens and see whether I get better my message to everyone at the moment is if you're in that category please don't wait for a few days go get a test now
0: did we come out of the last lockdown too quickly
3: we didn't have any evidence, uh, you know, when we made those decisions to justify continuing the lockdown for longer. Now, of course, if we'd had this information um, back then, this, things may have been different. But the reality is, uh, things were looking, you know, contained. The information we had uh, would have made it very difficult for us to go to New Zealanders and to Aucklanders in particular and say, "Sorry, this is going to go on for longer."
0: Okay, well, correct me if I'm wrong. You say there, were, there was no evidence to suggest you shouldn't move, but we, at that point, didn't know the source of the infection. We still don't have confirmation on the source of the infection. We had had two more confirmed cases the day that you decided to move Auckland from Level 3 to Level 2 and you hadn't at that point tested all of the students at Toy High School.
3: Is that prudent? So those cases were um, already you know identified cases of risk or identified people who could have been at risk. So one of our the model that we work to here is if, we, if we're if we seeing additional cases amongst people that we've already identified as close contacts and have already been isolating, that in itself doesn't need to trigger alert levels. Mm. What we have seen, though, here um, is an, a, a seemingly unrelated person, so not someone who was an identified close contact. They have a relationship with someone who was a casual contact in the sense that they're a sibling of them. But again, that, that sibling has not tested Positive, and has had three tests. So again, that just adds some complexity to this. Uh, we don't, mm. we, you know, we don't have all of the information we need. But that's the point, right?
0: (laughs) That's the point. We don't have all the information we need. We know that COVID-19 is incredibly insidious and we know that public health officials felt anxious about you moving to Alert Level 2 as soon as you did. I see Dr Nick Wilson said the shift to Level 2 was, quote, not cautious enough. Dr Susie Wiles uh, said she would have preferred for us to stay at Level 3 for longer. With the benefit of hindsight, do you think it uh, it it was a mistake?
3: Look, I think based on the information that we had at the time, it's always easy to look in the rearview mirror when you get new information, Mm. but based on the information that we had at that time, I still think that was the right decision. Um, Of course, we've now got new additional information.
4: Mm.
0: When did you learn about this confirmed case? What time?
3: Oh, it would have been yesterday, uh, in the early afternoon, I think, uh, from memory yesterday.
0: Why did it take so long to announce that we would go into lockdown?
3: Uh, look, there's a whole um, process that you have to to go mm. through, including, um, I think we had a, you first of all have to do your case investigation. So you've got to assemble the basic information. That takes a couple of hours. Mm. Uh, we then have a, a briefing with the key ministers and the key officials where we go through the details. Uh, we then had to have a cabinet meeting uh, to make the decision. In uh, between all of that, the Prime Minister had to fly from Auckland to Wellington uh, to make the announcement. So, assembling all of that together, and to make sure that we're actually able to answer people's questions. Sure. We've also got to have the machinery ready to go as well. There's a bit that goes on behind the scenes to make sure we're ready for any of these announcements. But, but it wasn't
0: like this was a Tuesday, was it? This was a Saturday, which meant, inevitably, people were out last night socialising. There were 8,000 people indoors at Spark Arena last night. That that fight between uh, Joseph Parker and Junior Farr didn't start till late in the evening, so there were, there were hours between you learning about this case and people attending that event. We saw people at bars around the country. There was a super rugby game in Wellington, a 660 concert in Hamilton. Why didn't you announce the details for this case sooner so that people could at least consider not attending these events?
3: Look, the reality is, um, whenever you make an announcement like this over a busy weekend, like the weekend that we have at the moment, uh, there is going to be people who are in places um, where they can't sort of suddenly turn around and and leave and so on. But they could have chosen not to go. I mean, if you'd
0: announced this at, say, 5 o'clock, sorry to interrupt, if you could have announced this at 5 o'clock yesterday, some of those thousands of people at Spark Arena last night might not have attended.
3: Well, well, I can tell you, at 5 o'clock yesterday, we didn't have enough information to be able to make that call. So at that point, we still uh, didn't have... Have all of the information about the person's contacts, so where they had been, how how widely they had moved. At that point, we didn't have the information about um, you know in, in, anything else we needed to know there. So, you know, you do have to have a, a bit of information I, before you. I understand. You I understand. There's a process. process like that.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I I get that. I understand. There's a process, but I'm sure there will be people frustrated to know that that there is potentially COVID-19 circulating in the community, and thousands of people were at these events last night.
3: Oh, Look, I mean, the reality is, I think I found out sometime around two thirty, three o'clockish, um, and the country was, uh, yeah. you know, we were back to lockdown by nine. Uh, that, that's pretty fast moving uh, when it comes to making sure that we're, we're moving as quickly as we can. But the reality here, though, is, you know, we, we do have to put this into context for New Zealand. I understand the people's disappointment, yeah. but we have had uh, probably the le- some of the least uh, restrictions in the OECD. Uh, I think it's the Oxford Index tells us that we've got the- we've been the most free country in the OECD over the last year. So, yes, I understand everyone's disappointed. We have been incredibly fortunate. Other countries are doing this on a day-to-day basis all of the time. Um, We've managed to avoid a lot of that.
0: No, I I think most New Zealanders feel very grateful for that, but it's the going in and out of lockdown which is especially concerning, especially for businesses around the country. I see your projections at the moment are that this could cost $400 or $500 million this week alone. Why didn't this person isolate?
3: Look, we ask people to follow the rules. This person um, clearly was moving when they had symptoms uh, and even after they had been tested. Uh, that is disappointing. Mm. Um, I, I do want to caution against a pile into people at the moment. Every, everyone's a human being and makes mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and we need people who have made mistakes because there may be others out there who are thinking, oh, gosh, I've had symptoms for a few days and I haven't come forward and got a test. And I, the last thing I want is them to think, well, I'm just going to hunker down at home uh, because that will slow down our efforts well, was as there, well.
0: A, was there any system to check up on this person?
3: Oh, well, this person wasn't an identified, uh, you know, person of risk, if you like. So um, we have been asking families to isolate. We have had regular, you know, families connected with the college to isolate, high school to isolate. We have had regular checks of them, daily checks for those, um, you know, daily phone calls to those families. Um, but the reality Was there is a phone call to this we, family? Oh, there would have been to the sibling, certainly.
0: Right. So the phone call to the sibling would have asked if the sibling was isolating, but not if this person was isolating.
3: Look, we'll go back and check all of the records of, you know, exactly what was said and to whom and, and when. But there's a, there's a limited value in going back. Um, mostly we've got to look Except forward that at this Except we might avoid point.
0: this stuff in the future.
3: Well, look, the reality is we'll avoid this stuff in the future if everybody just does what we're asking them to do and stays home and follows the rules as we're asking them to do. <laughs>
0: but obviously that hasn't worked this time round. But before we, we let you go, because I know you were very busy today, Um, I asked you this two weeks ago on on Q&A, and I want to ask you it again. Do you think, with the information that we have available about this outbreak, that when it comes to vaccinating the general population, certain communities should be prioritised? And should South Auckland receive the vaccination before the rest of New Zealand?
3: I think um, as soon as we get vaccines available beyond our, our at-risk workforce, uh, we will be looking to roll it out to those who are more at risk within the community. Now, there's a variety of things mm. that come into play there. One is uh, people who are more at risk, so people who are, have you know health conditions or who are elderly, and the other is settings that are more at risk. And clearly, South Auckland, located you know by an airport, by the big airport, where, where most of our uh, people are coming into the country from from abroad. That, that that clearly is a setting that's probably a bit more at risk. So I think you'll see that reflected in the vaccine rollout plan. All
0: right. Thank you very much for your time this morning. We appreciate it. That is Minister Chris Hipkins in Wellington. Just so you know, National Leader Judith Collins is going to be with us in a couple of minutes. But first, police border checkpoints came back into force at 6am as Auckland went into Level 3 and the rest of New Zealand went into Level 2. Reporter Kim Baker-Wilson's been at the Mercer site on State Highway 1 south of Tāmaki, Makoto, Auckland, since 6 o'clock this morning. Kim, what have you seen so far?
5: Well, now it's just, again, here we are again, this single off-ramp that is now the only thing separating Auckland and the rest of the country south. So, yes, again, drivers are having to go through here very slowly, very methodically to get all of their details checked. It wasn't actually quite the 6 o'clock in the morning start. There was still some organising to do by the looks of things when we got here. The checkpoint got into swing at about 20 past 6 and we did hear some people just in the first few minutes after that being turned away. You could hear the calls from police to people saying, look, the reason's not good enough, you're going to have to go back to Auckland. One man who we could overhear was saying that he simply had no idea that there mm. was these new cases and that there was a change in alert levels. He said he didn't have a phone, so the news for some people is still having to filter down. It does seem there is a bit of a change this time as well in this part of the woods, that is around Port Waikato. We've seen social media postings from the national MP, the MP for Port Waikato, Andrew Bailey, saying that... That part of the area is now included in level three. So the right. upside of being now included in tighter restrictions is that they can get around a bit easier. It does spare them that 90-minute or so drive just to go and get the essentials, go to the supermarkets and things like that.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Kim. I know you're going to be there throughout the day for us bringing up the very latest updates. We really appreciate it. That is Kim Baker-Wilson, just south of Tamaki Makoto, Auckland. So you know, all of the One News reporters in the field today will be wearing masks. They are socially distanced. Kim has just removed his mask for our live crosses this morning. After the break, national leader Judith Collins, and a central question in this outbreak, was it a mistake to come out of lockdown so early?
1: Some will ask whether we should have stayed in Level 3 from the 14th of February right up until this date today. Today, that was not what the evidence required, and therefore it was also not the advice that we were given.
4: You know, I just came from work now, I went to go and fetch my laptop, so I'm all set up to work from home for the week. Just have to adapt. It's the world we live in now.
0: Yeah, it is, unfortunately. Kia ora Tefano, welcome back to this QA special. If you were just waking up this morning, Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, is in lockdown, and the rest of New Zealand is at alert level two after a 21 year old tested positive for COVID 19. National leader Judith Collins is with us this morning. Tena koe, welcome to the program.
6: Oh, good morning, Jack.
0: What was your reaction when you learnt about this case?
6: Oh, I just, um, look, I, I just, oh no, here we go again. And uh, it was a big call to take us out of the, uh, or to change the levels last time to um, to lower those levels. And uh, at that time we said, oh, this is a big call but um, it's obviously shown now that we now have a, a very real problem and uh, a lot of it's around testing and contact tracing.
0: Okay, you said it was a big call, you didn't say it was the wrong call at the time, with the benefit of hindsight, no. was it the wrong call?
6: Well, it may have been but um, we of course don't have the same information that the government has but I think it's uh, it's pretty clear it was a big call. and. Uh, we thought it was interesting to, you know, or just actually quite difficult and inconsistent to say we we go into a level uh, three lockdown in Auckland when there are three cases, and then we come out when there's another three cases. So, and yet none of a lot of the people who had uh, were close contacts or contacts of those who were infected uh, hadn't actually had their test results back at that stage. So we thought that was that was quite um, a brave call.
0: Okay, you, you're sort of fudging around the issue a little bit here, and, and I'll stick with the politics well, for a saying minute or two. Well, I yeah, mean, from the yeah. information you had, what would you have done?
6: Well, we didn't have the information other than what the media had. Okay, and so, so what would you have uh, we done with at that at the time we said it's a big call.
0: Yeah.
6: Uh, well, we would have got the information, but we didn't have any more information <laughs> than the media had, which is the, the general public had. So you're insinuating. I bit... think it's what people need to.
0: Well, You're insinuating they've made a mistake, but you're also... No, you are. You're insinuating that they've made a mistake, and that may be your opinion, which is totally fine. But I just want to be clear, if you had been in that position, from the information that has been made available, and a lot of information has been made available, do you think they made the wrong call?
6: Well, I think in hindsight, it now is starting to look like that. But I'd also say this to you, Jack, it is very difficult to have uh, a lot of testing going on, results not back and making those Mm. calls, and particularly when uh, we haven't clearly got the contact tracing properly operating. Otherwise, we wouldn't have lost track of people. We wouldn't uh, be saying the same things that we're saying yet again, is that here we are in yet another lockdown. And we've said from day one that yo-yoing in and out of lockdown is going to be the worst thing for people. And it's clearly not only for businesses and Mm. people trying to go to work, but it's particularly for compliance because the last thing we want is for people to become uh, complacent and just say, oh, well, you know, we're used to this. That's not good mm. enough.
0: Okay. How do you improve compliance?
6: Well, I think there are three ways that we could do it. Number one, that we need to actually test. There's a rapid antigen test that's a 15 minute test, uh, it's currently being used uh, for our pre departure testing uh, for New Zealand. It is available in the States in pharmacists for $15. I don't know why this isn't being used now. Um, Obviously it's not quite as good as the uh, PCR test, the the rapid um, test, that particular test, but it can be used in conjunction Mm. with it. Then we have the situation of the queues for testing. If people are stuck in a queue for three or four hours with a couple of kids in the car, they're not going to want to come back and get tested because there's no one there. So we need mass rollout of testing stations around Papatoetoe and all of those places of interest. And we need to also test the wastewater uh, far more rapidly and also uh, more locations than we are at the moment so we have a better handle on just how bad things are. Then let's come to vaccinations. Clearly continue with the rollout for border staff including those who work at the ports. But the other thing is I think that South Auckland needs to have a priority vaccination programme and that is absolutely essential. Then we move on to other areas such as those people who are in uh, rest homes, retirement homes. It's really important that we prioritize where there could be issues. The other thing is really Jack, is when someone's in isolation in their home, then are we even bothering to check? We had a report just yesterday four times trying to contact someone, couldn't get hold of them. Also the contact Mm. tracing people did Nothing much at all. Now that's not good enough. We should have somebody, no no, someone having to prove that they're there with their phone, take a photo, whatever, where they are and if there's no contact in 24 hours, send the police around. We need to be vigilant so that everyone else doesn't pay the price for slack systems.
0: Okay, so just to to go into a couple of the points you raised there, if it comes to checking up on people who have been tested to see whether or not they are isolating while they wait for the results of their test, you are suggesting a phone call. Is that feasible if we have tens of thousands of tests being undertaken at any one time?
6: Particularly for people who are close contacts for others who have uh, had the... um, you know, obviously got the virus. This is done in course, why can't it be done in New Zealand?
0: Sorry, but yeah. that, that wouldn't have stopped this case, would it? Because yeah. this person's contact at Pape Toitoi High School tested negative three times.
6: Yes, and then also had symptoms and then went off to get tested and then went off to the gym after being told not to. I think it is feasible. What isn't feasible is constant lockdowns, changes of level, and inconsistency. And what New Zealanders are saying to me and to, I'm sure, to you, Jack, mm. is that they want to play their part, but actually they do want to make sure that others are as well.
0: Mm. You mentioned South Auckland and prioritising South Auckland in a vaccination programme. This is something we have been asking leaders over the last few weeks. To be clear, would the National Party prioritise South Auckland over elderly residents in other parts of New Zealand?
6: I think it has to happen. Uh, And I think we need to understand too is that uh, without judging where people live or who works where, it is clear is that we have higher density uh, occupation for homes in parts of South Auckland in particular. We also have a lot of people in South Auckland who work at border facilities, Mm. but also are involved in working in rest homes and elsewhere. We need to be realistic here, and we need to say South Auckland does need something. Um, and that something special happens to be vaccinations, and then we need to have a rollout around the country. It is really important that the government takes this deadly seriously because mm. New Zealanders are today seeing that what happens when we have inconsistency. People are understanding that um, self-isolation, human nature, don't necessarily go together, and we have to be realistic about it. Uh, mm. It's not about condemning people for um, doing this. It's actually about being realistic.
0: Did You You were at the Joseph Parker Jr. far fight last night when you heard the news. Did you stay for the fight? Yes. Why?
6: Yes, I did. In fact, I had a phone call from the Prime Minister and she was adamant that um, they'd that already made the call that people who were there didn't need to move because uh, of the fact that all those who were there were already there um, and we weren't going to have any any further uh, spreading of anything if there was any spreading. Um, I well, also I, noticed have, that, you know, Willie Jackson, Cabinet Minister, was there. She, no, she was quite fine. adamant we can ask that we Willie didn't as need well. to move.
0: Yeah, but I don't know, 8,000 people mm. inside? I mean, we know what happens at the end of a big well, event like that. Everyone yeah. pours out at the same time. You didn't think it maybe would have been a good decision from a leadership perspective to, to leave early?
6: Well, actually, anything like everyone trying to move would have been actually very difficult at that time. No, just I'm um, just actually, talking, about everyone everyone. I'm talking about everyone. Talking about you. At the same time. Well, it's not actually about me, is it, Jack? It's actually about what's the right thing to do. Uh, I personally, it's about leadership, spoke to the prime minister, she was absolutely of the view that, no, what it is actually, Jack, it's about understanding that if it's good for the people, it's good for me too. It's simply mm. I'm not any more special than everybody else. If there was any concern (laughs) uh, about the people there, then the Prime Minister would have called it off. All
0: right. Tēnā Thank you very much for your time. I know um, it's going to be a busy few days ahead. We appreciate um, you being up early for us this morning. That is National Party Leader. Judith Collins. A lot of confusion for many last night, and probably there are some of you who have only heard about the lockdown when you woke up this Sunday morning. Here we are, already in Level 3 for Tamaki Makaurau, Auckland, and Level 2 for the rest of the country. Epidemiologist Professor Michael Baker from Otago University is back with us from his home in Wellington this morning. Tēnā koe. Thanks for being with us. Just how serious is this from what we understand at the moment?
7: Morena, Jack. Uh, Yes, I mean... Uh, I know this decision is never made lightly. Uh, we, I think, can now understand that there's there's two kinds of outbreak situations. One where the, the the chains of transmission are well defined, the contact tracing system works very well. It's highly evolved now, and the other kind is where you don't know the about cases in the community. And until you know about those cases, we know that we have to be very cautious, and hence the moving up to alert level three. Yeah. And that's the the key approach. And this has been a winning formula for New Zealand, the, the very decisive, rapid response to these outbreak situations.
0: OK. Let's just update our viewers very quickly, Michael, on, on what we've learnt this morning. So the genomic testing results are back. They show a link between this person and the second family from the so-called Valentine's Day cluster. That means that this is the UK variant of COVID-19, which we know is a more infectious variant of COVID-19. How likely is it we will see significantly more cases in the coming days?
7: I think it is likely uh, for the the two reasons that have been mentioned. One is we don't know how this um, case, case M, got infected. Um, We have suspicions it's obviously part of this extended outbreak, but that does suggest maybe other infected people who haven't been identified. And the second thing, of course, is that this case had a number of um, exposure or uh, attended a number of settings where there could have been other infected people. Uh, so again, it's, it's a still a manageable situation because you've mm. got a starting point for the conduct tracing efforts.
0: Mm. I know um, there was some anxiety perhaps with you, but certainly with some of your colleagues with the speed with which we came out of Alert Level 3 to Alert Level 2 in Auckland just a couple of weeks ago. With the benefit of hindsight, did Auckland come out of lockdown too quickly?
7: Yes, well, I think it's easy to make that um, view or have that view now and with hindsight. But uh, again, I think we've got um, a good contact tracing system that that does allow us to come out of lockdown more quickly. One of the things that myself and colleagues have suggested is that we do need to put more effort into these, into having a more fine grained approach below level three and four. Uh, And we already have um, several other tiers in there, but we haven't really used them very much. This is... The idea of a 2.5 and a, um, a 1.5 as well as level two. And it's partly because we, we try to avoid the lockdown situation. And these extra levels could be developed more because they're already in the system. And I think really encourage the use of masks in indoor environments and think a lot more about, you know, what we know about this virus, about how it's transmitted between people in indoor environments and really fine tune the alert levels to take that into
0: account. Mm. It's insidious, though, isn't it? I mean, it, it seems extraordinary to a lot of people, I think, that this person who's tested positive has a sibling from Toy High School who tested negative for negative th- three times and, and, and doesn't have any symptoms of the virus. From what we know about the time periods yesterday when the government and health officials learnt about this case, um, the minister, Chris Hipkins, uh, told us they learnt some, sometime in the early afternoon and they were waiting to gather more information. But there were some big events last night, the 660 concert in mm-hmm. Hamilton. I think of the 8,000 people in Spark Arena in Auckland who gathered indoors to watch the boxing. Should those events have continued?
7: Yeah, look, again, um, in hindsight, um, possibly not. But um, it is, there is a need when you're going to suggest um, a significant increase in alert levels. I think you want to have a very strong case for doing that because yeah. it's such a disruptive event so i think the timing is probably reasonable overall yeah. and now um i think this huge responsibility on all people in new zealand particularly those in auckland uh to be on the lookout for symptoms because that's still the number one way we have of working out the extent of this outbreak and we always talk about um cold and flu symptoms and that's really a shorthand you know, for quite a long list of um, features. But the the flu-like symptoms cover things that uh, perhaps we don't think about so much, you know, muscle aches and tiredness. Mm -hmm. So if people have those symptoms, I think err on the side of caution, uh, ring Healthline, uh, don't um, go out to social events and get tested if you're um, advised to by Healthline. I think that's so important at the moment.
0: Is there confusion in the general public as to the difference between close contacts, close plus contacts, casual contacts, casual plus contacts? And does that potential confusion matter?
7: Yes, well, um, I think this is a a difficult area. I mean, in the past, we just had casual and close contacts. And interestingly, almost all of the um, infected um, cases are in close contacts. Mm. We know particularly in the household situation That's where most transmission happens, or what in the past it it has. Uh, So they are always a high-risk group. Um, But I think when you get into a high school situation, you can see the difficulty of um, just having this simple classification. And I think the casual class were needed there, uh, because people in that situation obviously have a multitude of uh, potentially important contacts during the day. Um, So I think it is necessary to have a more fine-grained system.
0: Michael, finally, from the information we have available at the moment, at what point this week do you think we will be able to make an informed decision about where to go next with the alert levels?
7: I would say perhaps by um, Thursday we might have a better idea. It's going to take a while because, remember, the incubation period for this infection is typically five to six days and can be longer. Mm. So... We're always looking back in time, and that's the difficulty. And we've been there in this situation before. So I think at this point, there's going to be um, a very cautious approach. So I would be saying it will be later this week before we will have some clarity on that. And again, it's just reiterating this message about everyone, if you have symptoms to come forward, because that is so critical Mm. in this current situation.
0: All right. Tēnā koe, Michael. Thank you so much for your time. Keep washing your hands and uh, no doubt we'll be in touch soon. It's Professor Michael yeah. Baker from Otago University. Coming up on Q&A, the economic impact of another lockdown. Frustration for business owners as Auckland goes back to Level 3.
1: Gutted, you know, because we've just been in and out. So there's no, you know, Level 2, Level 3, it makes no difference for us. We're either, It's either 4 or 1, you know. 2 and 3 are the same as 4 for us. We can't operate.
0: You know, we're buggered. Hōki mai Koto, welcome back to this Q&A special. The wage subsidy scheme has kicked in for businesses impacted by Auckland's lockdown and the change in alert levels around New Zealand. But business leaders are frustrated. at Having just come out of lockdown, Auckland is heading back into another one. Michael Barnett from the Auckland Chamber of Commerce is with us this morning. Tēnā koe, Michael. Thanks for being with us. How is this likely to impact business?
4: I think the the businesses that are going to get it most of all are those that were fragile already so i think you can look at anything associated with hospitality anything is associated with accommodation events and so on these businesses were fragile and this is going to impact on them i think there's another range of businesses that are still doing reasonably well and we should remember um, that there are businesses that are able to operate and should get support as well.
0: OK, this is an important point. And, and actually businesses around New Zealand are available, are able to apply for support under the government's wage subsidy scheme. Are you satisfied that the Finance Minister, Grant Robertson, is supplying sufficient support at this stage?
4: I think, to be fair, if you have a look at the resurgence package and if you have a look at the subsidy, the wage subsidy is about job keeping. Mm. Right? And if I have a look at a business, if if I had a business, my wage bill was say seven and a half thousand dollars a week, my overheads are probably likely to be about fifteen thousand. So a small medium business has got accommodation, bank charges, electricity, all of those things associated, and they are carrying that cost. So the subsidy is a job keeper business is still feeling the pain
0: yeah what does this do to confidence levels
4: I think it's a it, moving in and out I still maintain is the right thing to do I think we need to be agile need to be able to respond but what we've got is this huge amount of uncertainty for business this is going to impact on well-being so like it or not that you know the chief executive the 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 managers inside Mm. businesses, the uncertainty that this creates. And then you've got employees as well. Am I going to the office? Will I be paid? And so on. There's a huge amount of uncertainty for everybody. It's not just the business owner.
0: There were certain people who, when the government decided to move from Alert Level 3 to Alert Level 2 a couple of weeks ago, felt that the government had found an increased appetite for risk. With the benefit of hindsight, do you think it was a mistake?
4: Uh, No, I don't. I think that um, at some point, you need to have somebody that's doing the due diligence. And we need to be able to trust in the government that they are doing that due diligence and can respond. I actually think that it's us as community, us as family, business leaders, chief executives, it's up to us. Some mm-hmm. of this is going to be our fault. You know, have we interrogated our people well enough? You know, do they have children at schools that are impacted? Have we asked the right questions? Have we told the right stories? I think the community has to take some responsibility for giving the right response.
0: That is really interesting, and I want to ask you about something. you know it's interesting to note uh, some of the people who have been affected by this late uh, by this latest outbreak, people who are working at the likes of Burger King. And Kmart working as cleaners, working in relatively low wage jobs or in shift work where perhaps they felt like they had an additional pressure to turn up to work even if they weren't feeling 100%. What is the role of business owners in making sure their employees know their rights, know that they will have wage support if they are isolating because of COVID 19 symptoms?
4: I think one of the things that as a chamber we've promoted is there needs to be a plan. And so if I have a look at my own organisation, we have an office in South Auckland. We talk to every one of our staff, <coughs> excuse me, and we're asking the questions you know, where are your children? Uh, what schools are they going to? I think it's up to the individual business owners to be asking the right questions so that they can take the right actions. And they should be aware of the vulnerability of family, and then they should be aware of what the subsidy is and how they're going to access it and the comfort that they can give to their employees. I think we all have a bigger role to play than saying this is the government's fault.
0: All tina right. Michael. That is Michael Bennett from the Auckland Chamber of Commerce. We appreciate your time, as always. There is a question of blame in all of this, of course, and the Prime Minister was careful in that press conference last night to say that we shouldn't heap scorn upon the 21-year-old person who was tested for COVID-19 but defied health advice and then attending various community events, going to the gym, for example. Here's Jacinda Ardern.
1: It's not just that we have rule breaches here. We also have some unanswered questions that may not lay at the feet of the individuals involved. So let's just be fair on that for now.
5: Everybody should take responsibility and listen to the Prime Minister, what they are saying. It. It's, it's affecting all the economy and everybody. They have to take some responsibility.
0: This outbreak has put South Auckland in the spotlight again, though. So once again, we're going to speak to local councillor and Labour Party member Efeso Collins, friend of the show. Efeso, kia ora. We know things... Must be pretty difficult for your community this morning. How is this news being digested by people in South Auckland?
8: Yeah, tēnā koe, Jack. Yeah, this is a tough time for all of us. I know that last night there was quite a level of frustration, I should be honest about that. that People are feeling quite frustrated at the moment. There's obvious anxiety in the community too so dealing with all of that is tough. Our message to all of our community and to all of our community leaders to push out is more than ever this is when the team of five million needs us. We're part of that team of five million we've got to play our part. Let's not get complacent with what we're doing. Let's make sure that we're doing our bit to keep every safe.
0: Are people in South Auckland feeling blamed for this outbreak?
8: Yeah I know that there was a little bit of stuff starting to emerge on social media last night which is really unfortunate but that's why we've been telling our people look it's important that we don't get complacent. No one wants the same kind of vitriol that we experienced last August to be happening again and when we're talking about the team of five million we know we're a part of it but it's also important that others looking in on South Auckland understand that we're playing our bit and their bit is to support us It's to affy us as we go through this time. So there are some challenges ahead but definitely a level of frustration in the community but definitely things that we can deal with.
0: Do you think there need to be tougher sanctions for people who defy health advice?
8: Yeah, look, I I think we're dealing with people who are doing their best in life. And, yeah, sure, there's been a bit of a tension around the young person who went to the gym. Look, he had tested. he He came back with... The sibling had come back with negative tests. I just think this is kind of life. People are doing the best that they can. Look, we've got families who are really challenged at the moment with a number of issues. We've got people in our families who believe the conspiracy theories. That's what our young people have to go home to. So we have to navigate a lot of those issues. So, look, let's understand that there's wider issues, that these are complex issues for every family to, work, to deal through at the moment.
0: Do you think South Auckland should be prioritised when it comes to the vaccination pro- uh, process?
8: Yes, I absolutely do. I think it's really important that we deal with our border workers, our health workers in the first instance, but these breakouts have happened in South Auckland, so it's important that the community that often presents with comorbidities is the community that we deal with in the first instance. And why than that, I think Auckland should be looked at as a case too. Look, the rest of the nation is going to Level 2, we're going to Level 3. I think we should be treated as a city, as an area that's a priority group of people because the outbreaks have happened here.
0: OK, the, the Minister, Chris Hipkins, has indicated to us this morning it is likely that That people in South Auckland could be prioritised in some way. Judith Collins, the National Party leader, has been slightly stronger. She says she thinks people in South Auckland should be vaccinated before elderly people outside of Auckland are vaccinated uh, in the coming months. Do you have a position as to when people in South Auckland should be vaccinated?
8: Yeah, look, I'm going to take our health officials' advice on this. I just think it's really important that our people here in South Auckland mm. are prioritised. And let's keep in mind that a number of our people here in South don't believe in the vaccination process anyway. So there's a huge educational programme that we've got to undertake here to get everybody on board. But if it's presented, if people feel they have the choice, and I think this area should be prioritised.
0: OK, well, what about the, the messaging when it comes to support for people who are working in shift work or low-wage jobs? I was just speaking with Michael Barnett about this. You know, it's interesting to consider that some of the people who have presented with COVID-19 from this latest cluster worked in either shift work or in relatively low-paid work as a cleaner, working at Kmart, working at Burger King. You know that these are people who probably feel a certain degree of pressure to turn up at work, even mm. though there is some government assistance available. Do you think the messaging about that assistance has been clear enough to people in your community?
8: Not really. And look, we're sending people to sites at the Ministry of Social Development website so that they understand what uh, support is available to them. But I think the government's got to think clearly about who the messengers are. I think the messages that are coming out of Wellington are good. We all understand it. But you look at the Papatoetoe case, it wasn't until last week that there was door knocking going on. We've got to get out in the languages. We've got to get people connecting. Were they people that can speak the languages like Samoan, Uh, Tongan or Hindi, those are the languages in Papatoetoe that are the main languages. And I think the Ministry of Health, whilst they've done really good work, they can provide us the health advice, but when it comes to community engagement, I don't believe that we've engaged enough with local organisations who have the reach and the touch so that they're able to get into our families. And I think that's where there's been the mismatch. We've got to do better to invest in the community organisations so they get to our families.
0: Officials would there have been a, would they have been a lot of people from South Auckland who attended the fight last night
8: I guess there would be. I know there were a lot of us watching it on on TV last night, but yeah, there were a number of us. And look, I saw on social media last night that a number of people, once they found out uh, that we were probably heading into lockdown level three in Auckland, that some of them started to leave the fight. So, look, people are doing as much as they can to be responsible, but this is a time for us to maybe not, if we're not going to do this and and be compliant out of kindness, then Mm. maybe it's time to go to necessity. Let's get to the basics first, so that then if we're just dealing with the basics, it actually helps us to find a sense of routine because that's what the frustration is. People want to be able to go with their kids to camp. My girls got camp this week. That's not happening anymore. So there's a whole lot of things that people will be missing out on and that's why our message is let's keep looking out for each other, let's get the support that we need and let's not be complacent. I think we can do it. We are the example of the team of five million and more than ever we're needed to stand up and step up to the plate now.
0: Kia ora We really appreciate your time this morning. That is Auckland councillor and friend of the show, Efesil Collins. Um, Just a quick quick couple of updates for you on some of the major events that, of course, have been planned over the next uh, couple of weeks. The Auckland Round the Bays race that was set to go ahead this morning has been cancelled, as all major events have been uh, in Tamaki Makoto. This is the message from the America's Cup organisers. Due to the latest COVID-19 Level 3 lockdown... Uh, America's Cup Event Limited is reviewing the situation and will be working with the authorities and relevant agencies over the next few days to work through the implications. We will have further updates to come. Of course, Race 1 of the America's Cup, Luna Rossa and Emirates Team New Zealand had previously been scheduled for next Saturday afternoon. At the moment, the health authorities haven't given us an end time for the current seven-day alert level change. It's likely we'll get an end time for that uh, or an update on that sometime later this week, but it would seem likely at this stage that the America's Cup will not get underway as previously scheduled. We'll be sure to uh, update you on that. Uh, We're looking uh, around uh, Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, at the various impacts of the alert level changes. Traffic is building at checkpoints around the region as people try to get home or get out of the level three lockdown. We will take you back to our reporter on Auckland's southern border next.
1: I know there'll be some who will be angry with the situation we're facing. To that I want to say this, everyone feels frustrated. No one wants the uncertainty this pandemic is creating but we are very close to being in a much more certain future.
0: Yes, a more certain future might feel a wee bit away at the moment, especially in Tamaki Makaurau, Auckland, but of course the rest of the country has been affected with all other regions now in Level 2. We wanted to know how people are feeling into Waipo-Namu, the South Island, this morning, so we will bring in One News reporter, Lisa Davies, who's with us from Christchurch. Kia ora, Lisa. What is the sense you are getting from people there this morning? Are they frustrated they're moving back to Level 2?
2: Well, first of all, Jack, I'd have to say that Christchurch took it right down to the wire because, of course, there was Electric Avenue here last night. That was a record crowd, possibly the biggest concert in the world right now with 25,000 people. And I'm told that when the alerts went off, all the phones lit up right across Hagley Park. Of course, today, it's an incredibly different story. We're in Level 2. The maximum number for any event is 100 people. So, for example, Runga was uh, doing a concert concert in Hagley Park today as the final event for the 10th anniversary of the earthquakes. That's still going ahead, but people are being asked not to go. You can watch it online on the City Council website. The Silver Ferns are playing later in the week for the Constellation Cup. I've been told that Netball New Zealand is meeting right now to work out exactly how to manage those first two matches against the Australian Diamonds. And then further south there are adventure races like the Motatapu, which is on Saturday, they are needing to decide exactly how they can manage things for that ultra marathon mountain bike race. Mm. So, really, although we aren't obviously as affected as. Auckland uh, level two is a lot more flexible there are still a lot of things that people are having to weigh up to work out what can go ahead and what can't
0: yeah all right thank you so much Lise that is Lisa Davies for us in our Christchurch newsroom we'll go back to the Auckland border checkpoint now police are out around the Auckland region ensuring people aren't traveling unnecessarily and we have seen some big queues and big delays Kim Baker Wilson is our reporter on the scene he's with us now Kia ora Kim
5: good morning. Well, the line that's snaking along the expressway behind me does seem to have grown in the last hour. There seems to have been a a bit of a shift in behaviour, though. Very early this morning, at about 20 past six, we did see lots of people, lots of cars trying to get through, and people then and there were being turned away. We could hear police saying, no, you're going to have to turn around back to Auckland. You haven't got got a good enough reason to get through. Then... It went quite quiet for a few hours and just in the last hour and a bit or so, it does seem to be picking up quite a lot. But look, the traffic is flowing quite smoothly. Of course, you do need that very good reason to get across this border point. It's now this off-ramp that is all that's separating Auckland from the south of the country. But when people do get up here to have those checks, they're showing their licences, the police have got their bottles of water for their long and hot day ahead. At this stage, things do seem to be flowing quite well.
0: Yeah, it's important to point out, isn't it, Kim, that that anyone who has an exemption to travel outside the region that was issued for work, for example, that was issued uh, during the previous Auckland Alert Level 3, that will remain active for this alert level change.
5: And that will make life a lot easier for so many workers. also worth pointing out this morning too, we saw a social media post from police in Waikato saying that they had had a lot of calls to the 105-105 non-emergency number for people on the wrong side saying, am I allowed to go home? And the answer is yes, you can go home if you're on the other side of this border from where you live.
0: All right, thank you so much for your time this morning, Kim. We really appreciate it. That is One News reporter... Kim Baker-Wilson at Auckland's southern border at the moment. If you want to get in touch with us on Q&A, please do. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook or email. One of the important messages to come out of last night's press conference was the Prime Minister, where she urged all of us to be careful about proportioning blame.
1: Our system has always had multiple layers to it because we know humans make mistakes. We also know, though, that we will not succeed if we turn on one another or if we seek to place shame on people. No one asked for COVID-19. No one wants it to be here. No one ever sets out to intentionally put others at risk.
0: Kia ora welcome back to this Q&A special. If you have been away from the news or the tally over the last 12 or 14 hours, this is it, Auckland is in Alert Level 3, the rest of Aotearoa is in Alert Level 2 after the Prime Minister took us all by surprise and called a, uh, a press conference at 9 o'clock last night.
1: Earlier this afternoon, I was advised of a new case in the South Auckland community. The case is a family member of a student from Papatoetoe High School. That could provide a straightforward explanation for this infection, but in this case it has not. The Papatoetoe High School student in the household has tested negative for COVID-19 on three separate occasions and currently has no symptoms for COVID-19. That means we have no current known link for the case discovered this afternoon. Based on this, we are in the unfortunate but necessary position of needing to protect Aucklanders once again. That is why Cabinet met this evening and made the decision that Auckland will need to move to Alert Level 3 for a period of seven days. The rest of New Zealand will move to Level 2.
0: So the update overnight is that genomic testing has been completed. The person who's tested positive for COVID-19 has been linked to the second family in the Valentine's Day cluster. We understand that person has the UK variant of COVID-19, which is more infectious. And a reminder, here are the six new locations of interest so far, and it's important to keep an eye on the Ministry of Health website as more could be added. But these are places that person visited. City Fitness in Papatoitoi, the Manukau Institute of Technology, and Hunter's Plaza, Burger King Highland Park, the person visited Your Health Pharmacy Papa Toy Toy. And Pack and Save Manuko. If you visited any of these places on any of those days, you're advised to get tested. Otherwise, if you're in Tamaki Makaurau, now that you're in Level 3, and that means working from home, working from schools... uh, Sorry, working from home, uh, schools and venues will be closed. Supermarkets can stay open. You can travel back to your bubble if you were away from home. And, of course, the rest of Aotearoa is in Alert Level 2 at the moment, so make sure you use distancing, good hygiene, stick to those limits on events. And if you have any symptoms, get tested. Now, before we go, we quickly want to mention one of the interviews we had been planning to bring you on Q&A this morning before the world changed once again. The Minister for Social Development, Carmel Sepuloni, has confirmed that benefits in New Zealand will rise on April 1st by 3.1%. Now, the increase is indexed to wage increases and is one of the changes brought in by Labor in its previous term. But in the interview, I pressed the Minister on why the government hasn't done more to increase core benefits almost two years since its own working group recommended significantly higher increases. You just said to me, you acknowledge that it's not high enough at the moment for all New Zealanders to live with dignity. I'm going to quote to you the top line from page 14 of your party's manifesto heading into last year's election, modernising our welfare system so all New Zealanders can live with dignity and contribute meaningfully to their communities. That's your promise. Why haven't you done it? We have been doing it, Jack. We just haven't you... finished the job. OK, so how That's much higher it? is it going to go? So
1: we have been doing it, but we haven't finished the job. But I do want to say, too, no, Jack... So, sorry. Is, no, it's... I'm
0: sorry. I'm gonna, uh, you, you, haven't, you still haven't answered that. Uh, why haven't you done it? Because you and I were sitting here two years ago when the when the Welfare um, Expert Advisory Group released its report, recommended that you increase benefits up to 47%. You and I quibbled over it then. That was two years ago.
1: Why haven't you done it? Because there's still more to do, Jack, and I'm acknowledging that. I we know, have done us, you're, what saying, to no, you're saying there's still more no, no. to
0: do but you're not answering my no, question I'm going to which answer, is why haven't you done it
1: I'm going to answer your question in another way
0: So if you're sitting at home today that could be one to watch You can see the full interview with Carmel Cipolloni on the One News website and our Facebook page We're going to be back with special bulletins today including the Ministry of Health press conference at 1pm For now though, kua karare. Thanks for your contributions Thanks to the Q&A team Hey, Teatr Wiki. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Cough into your elbow. Get tested if you have symptoms, and we'll see you next Sunday at nine. and is made with the support of New Zealand On Air.